0: Welcome to the World Architecture Festival podcast. This series features recordings from the annual festival where architects and commentators discuss the latest challenges and innovations in the industry. Make sure you subscribe to always receive the latest episode and also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at WorldArchFest.
1: Good afternoon. Uh, welcome back to the Festival Hall stage. Um, and uh, we, we move uh, from a uh, sort of s- strand or series of strands of relationships between uh, three architects, uh, grandfather, father and son, uh, all born in Berlin but working in different places, uh, to um, a completely different uh, sort of uh, set of uh, problems, except uh, it's also focused on the issue of housing. And uh, so we have uh, Wong Chuman from Wow Architects, who are based in Singapore, but working uh, in many different locations across the world, in Asia, I- even now in Europe as well. Um, and uh, Chuman is going to talk about the uh, condition of housing in India, um, a very large subject because there are an awful lot of people in India, uh, but he's going to try and explore what trends there are and what the relationship Uh, between the uh, problems of housing in India are and what architects can do about them. Whether architects can do very much uh, is going to be, I think, the part of the subject of what he's going to talk about. Chiman.
2: Thank you very much. Well, it's an honor to be invited to talk about a country that's far, far, far larger than where I come from, which is Singapore. Um, But I think that it's... A very timely subject to talk about the population of India which is standing at 1.2 billion people. Now just to give you an idea um, of where we stand in terms of the numbers, you're looking at 17.5 percent of the global housing that needs to be built Uh, ...in India for this 1.2 billion population. And if you take a look at this graph here... ...you'll see the changes from 1950 to the year 2030. So this is a very, very rapid um, escalation in terms of the population... ...and also the need to house this population... ...and the um, migration from a rural to a very urban kind of uh, uh, setting. Just to give you a little bit more information... In the year 2013, $121 billion uh, US dollars in terms of real estate value. And by the year um, 2028, you're looking at $853 billion. I mean, these are staggering numbers uh, by any uh, standard. And uh, by the year 2028, 13% of the GDP is going to be in the real estate sector. And uh, you can see that Housing contributes to 80% of the real estate value. So if you talk about a scale of need, a scale of building, you're talking tremendously large numbers here. 45 to 50 million households require homes. So I think that for those of us who you know, look at a lot of the kind of projects we see here today, there is just the tip of the iceberg. And I'm talking about India, I'm not even talking about China. Now, this is a very interesting graph. I'm sure all of us today have been wowed by so many kinds of fantastic projects that we have seen being presented by very, very talented architects. But I have to show you the context in which many of these projects are being built. Take a look at the Construction cost per square meter in, say, USA or the UK at 2,000 plus US dollars. Take a look at Singapore, very close in terms of what we have to build. And take a look at India and China. This is the kind of budget that the average architect would have to work with. So when we judge a work of architecture and the consequence of the work of architecture, nobody talks about this. And this is so bloody significant. I have to give a, 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 a bit of a background. I've been going to India since professionally since 1993. I went to India for the first time in 1978 as a student, and I've seen so much change, especially in the last 10 years, that I think a tsunami is about to hit us in terms of what the country has to offer in terms of the built environment. And I'd like to show you some of those possibilities today. Now, further statistics. I've been privileged to be working in India for the last 20 years. And I'm embarrassed to say that I'm actually only working in the top 10% of the pyramid of needs of housing. 90% of the housing in India cannot afford architects or even Indian architects to provide them with solutions. This is a shocking, shocking number. The luxury housing, Mandala House that we have done, you know, it, it won many awards. It's in the top 1.5 million of households. The project I'm about to present tomorrow, a Rohan uh, at $750 per square metre is slightly better. It addresses 3.5% of the needs of the population. And our lowest construction cost project, uh, which I'll show you today, which is the Niku Homes Project in Bangalore, what we call affordable housing in our world, but actually still is in the top 10% of the housing needs. So by and large, architects, especially international architects, have so little impact on what's actually being built at the low-income and the, what in the Indians call economically weaker section, EWS housing. These are statistics that you have to bear in mind when you look at the projects that are being presented to you. So, construction cost comparison, our project, Arohan, at $1,000 per square metre is a third of the cost of Singapore. Public housing in Singapore costs 780 to $900 per square metre. Our affordable housing project at $255 per square metre is far lower. For the same kind of market segment we're trying to reach. Now, what are some of the challenges that we have when we do work in India? The developer, contractor, labor uh, relationship is key. What are some of the challenges? Well, unskilled labor is definitely one of them. Construction inaccuracy, it is not uncommon to find in a 20-story or 30-story building column eccentricities of 20 or 30 uh, centimeters. It's not uncommon huge gaps in technical understanding. You know, people don't read drawings. They're not educated. And construction and project management doesn't exist. There's no such thing as a general contractor. The typical project will have 20 or 30 contractors running around. So what are the opportunities when you design in a place like this? Well, I think those people who design for perfection will fail. You have to design for the imperfection of the place. And you have to have creative solutions To come up with quality standards and what is quality is the question that we should be asking. So the photos below are actually one of our projects. Uh, The one on the left is, is, is a project we did in India. We deliberately designed for imperfection so that the blemishes would be the desired result because there was no other way to achieve aesthetics. Time. The project i'm going to show you in in a few minutes victory valley this is actually the google maps view of this project it started in 2009 and by the time we're done it will be 2019. so it's a 10-year project build out of which we were actually involved only in the first four years in the last six years we were quietly retired from the project and they're building whatever they want And the project managers that started the project are not the project managers at the end. So you have a huge gap in terms of the intentions and the built results. So challenges, definitely project costs. When you start out, you think of a certain per square foot price, but 10 years down the road, because of inflation, the developer, if he hasn't seen a real estate increase on the land price, he's losing money for sure. These are huge practical challenges of doing work in India. So... If you're going to do signature architecture, you better have a signature that's going to withstand the test of time. Otherwise, it's not a, it's not going to be your signature anymore by the time you're done. Very, very pragmatic aspects to working in a very challenging environment. Policies. India does not have a very unified code. And government in various districts and provinces have their own ideas of what urban design and urban planning should be. So you end up with a lot of fragmentation. Developers accumulate parcels as and when opportunities allow. And so as you can see from some of our projects, they're really odd in shape. And they change over time. And when you start designing it, and by the time you get planning permission, the site could have changed, the code could have changed. Many things change. As a result of which, control is very difficult. Vashtu. How many of you here know what Vashtu is? If you don't know Vashtu, you cannot design in India, period. Because Vashtu is a way of life, it is 100% in every project. Now, you're talking about housing, and you're talking about a buyer who doesn't believe in Vashtu. Fantastic. But guess what? His mother in law, his uncle, or his sister do. And so he is still bound by it. And so it is with our developers. They may be very progressive, very modern, well-educated people, but they are still bound by these unwritten, and very much written actually, rules of Vashtu. So how do we negotiate these paradoxes? Well, we have over the years come up with some very, very simple design paradigms that allows us to address what I think is really important to India as a culture, as a people, as an economy. And basically, the need to go vertical because of land and land intensification, we've had to do the vertical Indian village by taking appropriate typologies and appropriate social cultural practices and going vertical. The other thing which we have done is to really design the landscape the building in the landscape and the building as a landscape to create a story that talks about culture, memory and place which we're very passionate about because at the end of the day it's so easy for us as architects from outside of India to come there and impose form and impose social and political ideas in our forms to a people that are very very proud of their heritage And so having worked with so many Indians, I think that this is is something that is really true to their heart. Their heritage is very important. So translating traditional values into contemporary urban lifestyles is an ongoing debate and discussion even amongst the Indians. And I hope to show you a couple of these uh, examples today. Mumbai, Gurgaon, and uh, Bangalore. Gurgaon is a suburb of New Delhi, very fast-growing. You can see here the rapid build out from a very low density to a high density environment. So crystal clear. And this is pretty much the scene across India. So here you see some images of buildings designed by very famous architects, not so famous architects, and I would dare say no architects. What is the impact of these buildings? Well, they are all dealing with the issue of moving from a very rural community to a very urban community, which is usually very, very, very chaotic. We think that taking the horizontal component of Indian society and urban form and creating the new urban village is a very viable uh, typology and methodology, which I'm sure many architects are exploring. But exactly how we're going to do this, now that really is a question of sensitivity. The first project I'm going to show you is Victory Valley. It's in Gurgaon. As I mentioned, Gurgaon is actually a suburb of New Delhi, a very, very fast-growing suburb of New Delhi in which we went from zero to three million people in the last 10 years. Victory Valley is the highest residential development in North India, and it's the highest for a reason. We really wanted to tell a story about how traditional values, traditional village and urban life can happen at high levels and we used the building as a backdrop as a landscape really to create this story as you can see here uh, uh, it was all about creating vertical landscapes at many many different levels you see the site a very fragmented site the building footprint and when you take the buildable area you actually get this wall And it was very apparent that that would be a very negative environment in which to house people. So we fought for two years with the government to create new height allowances. We are at 178 meters, where previously we were at 30 meters. So we went from 30 meters to 178 meters in order to lower that wall-like atmosphere to create the idea of a livable garden space on which the project is predicated. So instead of just putting a building on the ground and filling it with landscape, the building itself is an extrusion of the ground. It is literally the landscape, the original farm landscape extruded in order to bring the landscape to every level. Every unit is as if it were a ground level unit. So when you look at it from above, you literally see how the landscape and the building become one. And of course, I think in India, telling a good story goes a long way to preserving the culture. So there's a very, very intricate story of how the landscape and the facilities in the landscape become uh, one with the memory and culture of the, the local people. I won't go into the details uh, right now, but you can see there's a very, very um, powerful uh, theme of landscape there. And this section shows you how the landscape climbs up from what normally is a basement, but now we have actually turned it into a valley, a verdant green valley. The units themselves are very simple, completely dictated by Vashtu. I won't go into the details of that, but suffice to say that it's all about adjacencies and relationships of spaces. So when you look at the project, you can clearly see the um, extension of the ground plane vertically to create gardens at every level, and even down at the basement, uh, we have brought the landscape down to create this very resort, pool-like area uh, for the community. So, eight years after we started, this is where we're at. Still two years to go. And I've lost control of the project, to be honest with you. And I'm just hoping that they build it the way we designed it. So, the clubhouse, which was a four-leaf clover for good luck, is being built out now. It's got its very organic shape. It's inspired by a tree. And, you know, as we build it out, it remains to be seen how the details are actually going to come about. (laughs) And so, um, the slip form concrete technology that we're using, very advanced by Indian standards, is is actually the predominant way that we are going vertical. This is a high seismic zone, zone 5. And when we're building to this height, the structural concern is a huge concern, and so much money actually goes into the structure that there's not much money left for the finishes, which is a huge issue. So, this is Victory Valley for you. I take you to another project where we're doing, uh, our Rohan. Uh, this is a project, Victory Valley was selling for about uh, 100 US dollars a square foot. Our Rohan is going to be sell for $300 a square foot. The construction budget of Arohan is one and a half times that of Victory Valley, the previous project. So I just want to show you what we're doing with that money. We have decided to address the issue of community. The idea of taking space at the ground level and bringing it right through the building. So you see here um, uh, um, Arohan on a misty winter's morning. It's located right, right next to a biodiversity park. And the idea is to bring the park all the way up the building at multiple levels uh, in order to bring community life at many, many levels. So at the very top of the building, you can see the city of New Delhi and gurgaon in the distance. We really are trying to create a new paradigm of living whereby the community and the landscape are unified at multiple levels. So here you see uh, a chart showing the little blue bit is Gurgaon You can see the rapid growth of Gurgaon And and, um, uh, New Delhi, which is the the, the red bit, growing It's staggering, the amount of people in such a short time Sorry Okay, so here you see um, our building, a very, very odd shape and on the left-hand side, you can see the traditional village. And on the right-hand side, as a result of urban f- planning, the fragmentation that's actually happening. It's staggering how lives are being altered by modern planning techniques from the traditional village structure that was there. So we came up with the idea of creating spheres of influence and worlds within the world in order to negotiate that dichotomy that's happening between the traditional life and the contemporary life. We really wanted to create the idea of community within this new world that we're creating. So you have the contemporary city and the traditional village and the intersection between the two, and this is where most of our design and is actually happening. You can see here the FAR of a traditional village is at 0.5, and um, where they're building mass rapid transit, that orange line, the planners have seen fit to give you 3.5. So a huge escalation not even a kilometre away. So what does that mean? It means that at the end of the day, uh, we we have huge urban forms coming up right next to very low-level settlements. The building is designed like a tree, a living tree, because it's deeply ingrained in the Indian psyche, the tree of life, and the idea of tree as a giver of life. So the building, uh, other than having uh, greens at many levels, actually functions like a mini ecology of its own So here you can see uh, the site plan where we have created this world within the world so that we have created many many spaces for community and recreation and public life at at all these various different levels The architecture is combined with the environmental idea These um, uh, pergolas that you see here are actually dew collectors we have a lot of mist that comes in the wintertime and through condensation, we're actually harvesting water and moisture from the atmosphere because in India, temperature extremes uh, are huge and it's very, very dry in the summertime. So we, uh, water harvesting is, is a must from, from a governmental point of view. So uh, simple pergola structure that collects the moisture and uses it for the irrigation. And the buildings, likewise, the tops of the building, the the, the so-called canopy of the trees also collect water and bring it right down to the ground where we have the bioremediation ponds. Intermediate garden terraces where we have social infrastructure, community infrastructure for the residents. And at the top level, a series of social and cultural amenities. Uh, modesty is a very big thing. So, in, For example, in the uh, clubhouse, so-called clubhouse, we have very separate ladies and men's section to take care of the sensibilities. And even inside the clubhouse, landscape is there. In the summertime, when it's 50 degrees centigrade outside, this is a very welcome um, relief. And lastly, culture. This is the holy festival in India. Uh, uh, very, very many festivals in India. And the whole idea of the social infrastructure we're building in our projects is to allow for all these festivals to really be part and parcel of the resident's life. So that's Arohan. Okay, switch gears to Bangalore. Bangalore is a city, most of you might know it for its uh, high-tech industries. I want to share with you a remarkable gentleman, uh, Mr. Agawal, who has become our client, and uh, he has a vision, and his vision is really about making a place based on the idea of happiness. It's
0: all about creating communities. It's not about isolation. It's how communities can become richer. So, Niku Homes, in our mind, we realise is community building. It's about how Indians live, how we live, and what are needs of our society, and how we can create a richer community.
2: Niku 2 is literally a vertical Indian village. And at the heart and soul of the village are the greens. At the ground level, we have beautiful gardens, water features, swimming pool. And at the mid-levels, we have these sky gardens. And crowning the very top of it is a wonderful sky park. So, rather than selling the building and the idea of real estate, It was decided in this project that we would sell the idea of community and community living, and most importantly, happiness. The other significant breakthrough in this project is we're not the architects. We're actually the long-term strategic partners working together with the developer and other architects to build out this project over the next 10 years. This is a significant breakthrough for us. as as the uh, uh, wow architects because we are no longer sitting on the side of the consultant we're actually sitting on the side of the 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 ownership and helping shepherd through various architects various builders in order to make the dream a reality so this has been a very very different model for us Uh, there are Easily, 10 different architects been working on the master plan over the last 10 years and when we came on board, we sat on the side of the client to help him understand how to translate many of these ideas into the built reality. From an urbanistic point of view, simple things like street lighting, landscape, how do you actually make that? And also, uh, our portion of it where we had a huge parcel, 10 million square feet, by the way, of real estate to convert over the next 10 years. So, unlike Arohan, which sold 10 units in 10 months, we sold 900 units in 10 months because we didn't sell real estate. We sold an idea of community, and that's a very, very powerful thing because, uh, for example, the corridors in the units here are not corridors, but they're actually streets that happen at multiple levels. Yeah? And the idea of the rooftop being a park, a community space. So... These three models uh, or projects that I've shown you really illustrate the various dichotomies that happen in India and the paradoxes and how we have negotiated it and I think that to arrive at a stage where the architect is empowered to shepherd through a project because he is shaking hands with the developer as a strategic partner is, is a very very satisfying and new model for us and I think that, you know, for example, here where we're actually going into the social programming of the spaces, the developer has not only been a developer, he has actually now gone into facilities management and started his own construction company because he wants to make sure that the happiness quotient that he's promised, he will actually deliver. Yeah? So these are just some of the images uh, of, that we've been through in the last four years to build out this project And so here we are, the project being built out. It's been four years now, and I would say that this project actually has a lot, from, from our point of view, a much higher rate of success in terms of the control that we've had. Further last thing I just wanted to point out, beyond just simply doing design, we've actually had this client sponsor a design studio. This is the design studio we had this year at the University of Southern California, where we took a parcel of the real estate, and we actually gave it to the students, graduate and undergraduate students, to propose new radical ideas of what a new financial city that we're planning would be. So these are partnership models that have been very, very interesting for us uh, in, in terms of the way moving forward. So strategic issues. Architects should extend their involvement beyond design. This, I feel this very strongly, and that it means coming up with new strategic relationship with developers, especially in a country like India, to achieve our visions. So these are some of the projects that we have on the drawing board where we're aiming for a much higher specification and level of detailing in order to achieve uh, a, um, a better quality environment for, for the Indian population. Yeah. So moving towards a very holistic approach, uh, some of these projects are much larger in its scale in which the landscape, the architecture and the whole ecological idea are really at the forefront of, of, of development. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Chilad. And uh, we're going to invite James to no. yeah. James. James is a colleague of uh, Cumans, and uh, yeah. good. Well, well some uh, very uh, uh, serious uh, thoughts and stimulating thoughts there. I, I've got a couple which we might just sort of. Um, Start off with if that's all right, and and then maybe we'll have time for a question or two from the floor. Um, One of the the things that I wonder about is um, is is there there a a premium cost to high rise in India, and if so, is it similar to what it would be in uh, developed countries?
2: There definitely is a premium cost, but it would depend on which part of India and who you ask, you know, because. Um, I think the problem with the Indian mentality is the idea that cement and steel is cheap but what they don't realize is labor good labor is not cheap and that's increasingly so so if you want to build to a good quality yes definitely a
1: huge premium. Yeah Yeah. good Uh, I was also um, interested in quite early on you were showing the, the, the the problems of working in India and you know, lack of technical understanding, poor construction, inaccurate construction, various things such as that. But you also listed some opportunities. And this echoed uh, a discussion we had here earlier today uh, with uh, uh, Ivan Harbour from Roger Sturck Harbour and Tristan Clafe from Arabs, um, where uh, Tristan was very uh, clear that the reasons that the uh, ideas about uh, innovative construction that they've developed can't be put fully into practice is because of the construction industry and the vested interest in the construction industry, in much of Europe at least. And I wonder, uh, given that the uh, construction industry in India is less well developed, whether there might be opportunities there, particularly for someone with a contracting sort of mind, uh, to go in and actually find, you know, almost develop a new way of building things, a new sort of contracting firm or serious industry, uh, and whether that could actually address some of these issues? I think that's a very,
2: very interesting question, and definitely the last project I showed you, uh, the Batia project, the owner got so fed up that he decided to be his own contractor, and so he started. And from all his good intentions, he ran into the glass Wall of what contracting really means, which is basically asking labor to perform very sophisticated tasks at very low cost. Yeah. So if you don't have a well-trained labor force, mm-hmm. and if your economic model does not allow for a good level of technology, you will fail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that that glass wall is what everyone is facing in India today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, um, in another question, unless anyone else has got something they want to come in on, but uh, I've got a series we can we can work through if that's if that's all right. Is um, you know, the last project you shared? I'm very interested in this idea of you being I can't remember exactly how you phrase it. Long-term consultants, long-term partners of the developer. Um, do you think that that is again a different model which you could uh, start to apply to? You know the the 90 percent or some way down the 90 percent perhaps 50 percent you know that if you if if you could find a client uh, or indeed an organization it may be a, a social or, or a public sector organization um that's interested in providing uh, you know lower medium cost housing in India um, that that could benefit that sort of organization could benefit from having a long-term strategic partner Architect, as opposed to an architect who is commissioned to design something for a certain fee uh, with a certain set of services? I think there's no doubt about
2: it that if we are talking about that 90% that needs housing, the architect, beyond just giving designs, has to help implement the ideas. And the only way to do that is for them to take a role other than being the designer. And and I think that that would mean some other kind of, of role, be it on the contracting or the project management or the financing side,
1: yeah. Okay, right,
0: right. Just to add, yeah, just to, add to that, um, the government also has been, uh, in the recent years, been encouraging for low-income co- housing. So you do get rebates if you provide for that in the development itself.
1: Right, right, right. Um, good. Does anyone want to ask a question? Yes, sir, um, there was a, could you take the microphone?
2: I found that you, 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 you've been in, uh, you found yourself in a very interesting relationship with a client at that project uh, being a, a strategic partner as opposed to just the architect sitting on the other side of the table. Um, and part of our jobs, I guess, uh, part of our job as, as architects and designers, is to sort of educate the client about um, the, the long-term benefits behind some of the suggestions or some of the good practice that goes into our design. So, how, how, did, what, how hard or easy was that to convince a developer? Which the, the, main, the main purpose behind a certain development is to make money, but to, to convince them into um, investing in a longer
1: you know, uh, longer-term benefits rather than, you know, so, some of the sky gardens that, that require you to lose a few units. That's prime real estate, some might say. I think that's a
2: very, very important question. First of all, the client isn't a developer. He came from the fashion business, and he has a very ideal I, uh, idealism about creating places for people. So when... After he hired quite a few architects, he realized how difficult it was to translate an idea from paper into reality, and we met him, and he understood because of our long experience in India, we actually knew how to get things done. So it wasn't that, uh, that this developer suddenly came up with this bright idea, but rather a meeting of minds and a meeting of wills to actually find solutions to difficult problems. We have since pitched this idea of Strategic partnership with other developers, with limited success, because I mean, development is all about profit, and it's easier to exit the architect early on so that you retain control and you are more nimble to react to market needs. So it's not an easy thing, and it's, it's the rare, the rarity. And I think this is where policy will have to step in. The Indian real estate market is undergoing reform right now. I think some of the people here in the audience from India, you know that. Buyers don't trust developers. They think that developers are all cheats because after you take the money, there is no legislature to protect your rights as a buyer. The Indian government is reforming that now, and this is going to see radical change
1: in the next few years. Good. That, that's that 's an interesting point that you know security of tenure I guess is what you're talking about, and that if you don 't have security of tenure it 's jolly difficult to sell anything at all, uh, but particularly something that is going to be at the upper end of the, of, of, of the market and um, but is that reform going to trickle down to through the ninety percent to the
2: I think that India as a country is going through many reforms just last week we got news that 500 rupee bills are banned the immediate thing that happened to us is all our payments got held up why because people that held 500 rupee bills couldn't pay their bills you know yeah, yeah. so i don't think we're talking just about the real estate sector here we're talking about a country that is re- reforming itself at many levels and real estate is one of those industries that really really needs smart legislature
1: Yeah, I mean, smart legislator in all sorts of ways, both in the structures of of property, but also in planning. And then that needs to interface with the private sector as well. And I think, you know, I was just thinking, you know, your your, your client for the last project saying that what he wants to do is create happiness. Supposing you said that rather than creating profit, which is what a commercial house builder would do, my goal is to create happiness. How does that change the way you might, as an architect might think? Well, I
2: think we have to distinguish between the rhetoric and the facts. And I think that at the end of the day, it's a question of what is a reasonable profit. I mean, very honestly, that's what it will boil down to. How much of a profit are you willing to sacrifice in order to achieve your other objectives? And what is the payback for that? And I think there are many people in India who want to give back because they've already gotten so much. And those are the people that architects, you know, good architects should target to work with
0: because they can really affect
1: change. Yeah. James, how do you feel about this? Well, um,
0: basically, I, I think that um, if you want to do social housing, the 90%, um, you really have to let go of your ego um, mm. and really work the ground, meaning that um, you've got to get your hands dirty on um, banking, finance, um, social policies, lobbying for opportunities. Uh, for this to happen because it's, you see, like, unlike Singapore, uh, the government does the social housing. They build the the houses for for the people. But in India, it's different. It's privatized. So there's no incentive to do that uh, for the developer. So that's where the architect, I I guess, has to let go his role of, of the ego and start doing a more ecological approach, meaning that he's also uh, the the finder of people to investors he's also the person that holds hands with the banker and
1: you know talk it through yeah good well um, we, we've come to the end of the session we could go on talking because I think you've raised some really interesting issues and shared how architecture can interface with a very complex and as you say changing society thank you very much Jim and James and uh, before yeah before we um, thank them Um, The next uh, uh, formal event in the uh, festival is the keynote talk in the main stage at 6.15 uh, the filmmaker Hubert Ziegert will be talking about the making of his film Berlin Babylon and other thoughts about Berlin um, and uh, that will be as I say at 6.15 and after that of course there's the announcement of today's winners uh, and after that there is the opening reception which is in this festival hall space so hope to see you there and, and now please thank uh, Chuman and Jed
2: Thank you